try to stand up the whole time, that'd be, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. But your parents might, and you should listen to them, though. All right, uh, my name is Anthony. If we don't know each other, I'm the pastor here at Valley Hope. Um, it's good to be with you all here or, or in your living room, wherever you happen to be, if you're watching online. Uh, I've just got a few announcements for you. Uh, one is from Julia Swan. Uh, there is a postcard, a uh, big one, with a, a picture of, of somebody from Compassion International who needs sponsorship. So that card is underneath uh, this, the TV out in the lobby. I'd encourage you to stop and take a look. If you would be interested in sponsoring uh, this child, you can talk to Julia. Uh, and she has some information on there as well if you want to get in touch with her. So just consider it. Uh, we, my family sponsors somebody through Compassion. It's a great way to uh, habitually be charitable and generous. Uh, so consider that with Julia. Um, also, if you would, remember in your prayers, uh, Buncombe County Wildlife, which is the middle school ministry of Young Life, they had a, a weekend event at uh, Windy Gap. Who knows uh, how much snow they got up there, uh, and hopefully they will return today. I don't know what it's like up there, uh, but Amy Berry, Phil Berry, uh, our leaders, I know Nathan Burkett was doing programming, um, so we, we just are praying that people, students who have never loved Jesus will this weekend have confronted him and been confronted by him and put their trust in him. So they could use your prayers from all the way from safe travels to, to the biggest things you can imagine. Uh, we pray for good gospel success for them. Uh, finally, uh, we are 10 days away from Ash Wednesday. The, the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving, Valentine's, that'd be really far away. Uh, Ash Wednesday uh, is the 17th, yes. We will have an Ash Wednesday service. It will be different than we've done in the past. So you need to look out for information that we'll send out to you. It'll be more uh, experiential and, and it won't be everybody in at the same time. It won't be a, a typical worship service. You'll be kind of on a journey. It's this building and that building, but it'll be a little bit of a journey. So uh, you'll have to reserve a time slot similar to this kind of setup, but uh, we'll, we'll move people through that way. All right, uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. We're going to read John 15, 1 through 17. This is Jesus speaking. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified so that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." 
And the Father has loved me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that our eyes would be drawn to the Son of God. We pray that our eyes would be open to see, and in your Holy Spirit, our hearts would be soft, and the Word would penetrate our hearts and effectively root us deep in Jesus. We pray that you would do this, God, for our benefit, and that we would bear much fruit to the glory of your name. Amen. This morning, uh, we're starting a series that uh, I just, I called A Life of Pursuit. Um, if you want to call it something else, I don't care. I don't like thinking of sermon series titles. I normally don't do that, but that's just what I wrote down. Um, it's, we're going to be doing this through most of the season of Lent up until Palm Sunday. Uh, and it's going to be tied to some things that we're doing together as a church outside of, of Sunday mornings. Um, I, as I came into January, um, probably end of December, beginning of January, uh, you know, we, we would talk, Amy and I would talk, the session, we would talk about what is the life of our church going to look like for a while, and um, winter is hard for a lot of people, not everybody. My wife is from Michigan, she loves winter, um, but the days are short. There's not much daylight. It's cold. And that becomes especially burdensome when you live in a pandemic, as we are, and the easiest, safest thing that we've been able to do for most of this long year has been to be outside together. And for quite a long time, uh, that, was, that was what we did. That's how we lived together communally for, for seven months. Um, we worshiped together outside. Our, most of our missional communities would meet together outside. Uh, and for a little while there, the uh, state of North Carolina put the gathering limits for, for things other than Sunday morning down to two people. So it was tough to think of how our missional communities are going to even meet together. And as we were looking at that and, and reading news about these new variants of COVID that are much more transmissible and looking at these dark and cold days. Uh, my conviction was that this is going to be a season of endurance and that our objective should be to endure more than just the rest of the past year, but specifically this winter. If we can just make it to Easter, things will feel a lot better. 
Because by Easter, it will be springtime. The sun will be out for longer. Things will be warmer. We can be outside together. But before Easter is this, is this winter. And on the, on the church calendar, of course, before Easter comes is the season of Lent, which is a, a season of fasting and meditation on the brevity of our life and the need that we have to constantly be in repentance before God that he would give us his own life. And so I felt like these themes just sort of overlapped both in the seasons that we're living in in the winter and the season that we are in in the church calendar. And so the, the theme for me is just endurance and what God will do in the middle of that season of endurance. Because what I've, I've believed for a year now is that we ought not to waste this time. That if all we do during this pandemic time is to just say, let's just hold on until we can get back to what it once was, then we're wasting it. God is on the move. He is doing things, has been doing things since the beginning of this pandemic. And if all we're aiming to do is stay in the same place that we were before it started, then we are ignoring the truth that God is on the move in our valley and our families and our lives individually. And so as we are in this season of endurance, what might God form in us and do in us? And so we're going to kind of embrace that together. And we're going to put some things in your hands starting next week. And we're going to invite you to journey together as we make space in, in a Lenten season for God to clear out what is dead and dying in us so that the shoots of new life can come through. Jesus here is in the midst of his farewell discourse in the Gospel of John. He is on his way to the cross. He's in the upper room. He has, uh, he has stripped the, the, his garments off to, to wash his disciples' feet. It's this long speech in the end of the Gospel of John, this final charge. It will culminate in John chapter 17 with the high priestly prayer, his prayer for his disciples. And this here, John 15, 1 through 17, is this kind of famous uh, instruction that Jesus gives where he says, I'm the vine and you need to, you need to abide in me. Your, your translation might see, say, remain in me. More literally, it does say remain. That's a more little, literal translation. Jesus is instructing the people, remain in me. And if we are going to find any sort of thriving and hopeful endurance in this particular season of our life together, it will only come in this abiding and remaining in Jesus. Jesus' instruction here, I have to be perfectly honest, has always deeply unsettled me. And I know that's not everybody's reaction when they read John chapter 15. But there's some scary language in here. I like the part where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I don't like the part where branches end up getting burned. And the way that I often hear and listen to God, I am instinctively drawn 
to hear God as a threatening presence. And it is, it is awfully easy to open the Gospel of John chapter 15 and hear in Jesus' voice a note of threat. And I'm not going to stand up here and erase words from Jesus' mouth for you. Jesus says what he says. And he says some of those branches end up in the fire. But what I would suggest to you is that is not the organizing uh, portion of the metaphor. That's not the central organizing part of the metaphor. That's not the thing that is at the center of this comparison. But it is instead flowing from the center of this comparison. And what Jesus is inviting me and you to do is to stay with him. It's to stay with him. Because he loves you. He is not approaching you and, and, and demanding of you that you obey his commands. And if you do not, he will roast you. He is telling you the truth about the nature of God and what he does for you and in you. And he loves you so much that he's telling you, stay with me. When Jesus gives this instruction, we ought to hear the truth that is silently spoken. That our instinct is to wander away. Our instinct is to wander away in a thousand different directions. We don't have to be told by anybody, hey, wander from God. We know that path away from Him because it is woven in to our DNA. We were born to wander. And Jesus knows His people. He knows them and He loves them. And he's looking at these disciples who are about to leave him. They are about to flee from him in the moment of his greatest need. That is what is about to happen in the Gospel of John. And Jesus is looking at these wanderers and these cowards. And he is telling them, stay with me. Stay with me. The Father speaks to his people and he tells them to stay with them because he loves them and enjoys them. This is not how I am. This is not how I would deal with cowards and wanderers. If in my moment of greatest need, people wandered away from me and abandoned me, my response would be, stay away from me. I don't need you, and I don't want you. So when I hear Jesus give the command, stay with me, bear fruit, obey my commands, and if you don't, if the branches don't bear fruit, they'll be thrown in the fire. What I hear is the way that I would say those things. 
if you leave me, I will burn you. And that is not what Jesus is saying. That is not how the Father deals with his children. God is not like me. He's far, far better than I am. And as I read this passage again and again and again, if you pay attention to what Jesus is saying, is already on offer for his people and what God wants for you, there is so much grace here in John chapter 15. Jesus puts the archetype for our relationship with God to be the relationship that the Son has with the Father. That the Father and the Son eternally have loved one another deeply and fully. And Jesus says, in the same way that I have rested in the Father's love, I want you to rest in my love. Previous to this, in John chapter 14, what he says is, rest in me, stay in me, you be in me, and I am in you. This profound double resting, inside and out. And Jesus is out of that overflow of the Father's own generous, infinite, giving love. Says, stay with me. Stay with me. Then why then this thing about obeying my commandments? Jesus is here helping us to know how we can stay. Jesus here is not putting a ladder into the ground and saying, if you want to get to here, to where you're resting with me, then climb this ladder of obedience, and then one day you will get there. That is not what he's doing. He's saying love has already been offered to you fully in totality, the feast is laid before you. You don't have to earn a thing. But if you go this way, you will wander away. And I don't want you to leave me. Remain with me and obey my commandments. Jesus is not laying for you a ladder of obedience that you might someday earn what he wants to give you completely for free and out of the infinitude of his being. But notice also what he's doing here is inviting you to active participation. I, I grew up reading this passage through 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 two very different lenses. One is that I must climb a ladder up to God and hopefully get what he has for me if I'm good enough, if I obey enough, and if I bear enough fruit. The other was that I felt like that, that doesn't feel right. That surely shouldn't be what God has for me. So what I need to focus on is abide, rest, remain, do nothing. That's what Jesus really wants for me. 
so I can really grasp a hold of grace. And so my vision of, of life with God, of the spiritual life with God, is that this was functionally a lazy river. Have you been on a lazy river at a water park? If you sit on a tube, you will float. Unless you get caught in one of those, you know, little dams of hooligans that block the lazy river, right? If you sit in the tube, you will float around the river. And some part of me said the the most spiritual people who truly understand grace and the Father's love, that when they remain, they just float along. And let me tell you, that never worked for me. I would, I would like think about it, pray about it, like, help me do this. And within moments, do you know what would happen to me? I'd wander. I'd wander. The very thing that Jesus was, was warning me about in, in and encouraging me and inviting me to remain, the very thing would happen. I would wander away. In, in the, whether it's in the thoughts that I would have as I would try to pray, whether it was the way that I lived my day, whatever it was, I just could not rest in the lazy river of spiritual abiding. I just couldn't do it. And and so I would just say, there's got to be something wrong with me. Obviously, God, just fix me. Just do it. He never did it. He never just flipped a switch and made me different or better. That just never happened. So what would I do when the lazy river wouldn't work? I jump back on the ladder. Okay, I need to work harder and try to get to God's love. And neither of these ways of being with God work. They are not the way that you are to understand your life with God. And either one, this way, the lazy river way, leads to spiritual laziness and apathy and death. And if your plan is currently do nothing and float and try to just hope that one day God will just make you more spiritual and you're just kind of get there, spoiler alert, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. Or you can do this other thing and it will kill you. It will murder you. Because you will never be able to obey your way to God. The feast of his love that you think you must attain to. You'll never get there because he lives so much higher than you do. That ladder ain't long enough. And here's Jesus' words. Stay with me. Stay with me. What we want to do together is disassemble this ladder, okay? The hard work that you feel that you must do to earn God's love, 
take it off of a ladder. You don't have to climb anywhere. You do not have to earn it. Jesus has come close to you. As he told his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. God does not need you to climb his way towards him. He has already come close to you. Disassemble your ladder. And instead, would you use it as a trellis? Would you instead of envisioning a life where you must go from A to B and by the power of your own effort, get to where God is and instead take the wood of your own effort and say, God has done something powerfully fruitful in my own life and he is effective and close to me and what he, what God wants for me is flourishing in life. That is what God is actively working for in my life. And so what I need to do are to make structures in my life for that plant to grow up and to blossom and to give the fruit that God wants to bring from me and does not need me to earn. So in this season of Lent, and of hopeful endurance. We are going to do that together. Well, I'm going to invite you. You don't have to do it. We're going to give you something called a, a rule of life. Now, just hold on. I can feel all of you anti-rule people. Like, don't you? You're not the boss of me. You're right. I'm not the boss of you. Calm down. These are not rules. They're not rules. So rule followers, just relax. You're not going to be able to check these off and be better people. And you anti-rule people, just put down your hammers. This is, a, this is called a rule of life, okay? The rule word is from a Latin word for a trellis, not for being the boss of you. I am not good at building things. I hope this is not news to you or deeply disappointing. When things need to be fixed or built in my house, my wife does it. She's very good at it. I don't have any shame about it. But my understanding is, if you want to build a house, you don't just show up at the site of the house and say, I don't know, we'll just wing it. We'll just kind of go through it, kind of add some things here and there. And I'm sure what we will build will be structurally sound and safe. My understanding is this is not how building works. Similarly, I am more slightly more familiar with physical training, mostly by watching my wife. And she uh, ran, has run marathons. And what you don't do when you're running, trying to run marathons is just say, you know what, just kind of however I feel like it. I'm sure I'll get to 26.2 miles run on my own two feet, which is insane, just by kind of, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll hit or miss. There is a, there's a training plan. There are construction plans. There is, there is effort required in that direction. The principle has often been the same for spiritual life, 
for people for thousands of years. A rule of life is not meant to be this oppressive thing on you, rules that you must follow to be loved. It is to say, here are some ways that we can intentionally plan to see that God might do specific things in our lives. It's to say, as much planning and forethought and care as we might put into building a house or for training for a marathon, we will also put into our life with God. There is no here, if you do these six things, if you do these six things, then you will climb up this ladder, this list, and find there God pleased with you. The heart behind this rule of life is that God is already pleased with you. He already loves you. The the, the problem in my spiritual life is not that I need God to somehow figure out how to come close to me. It's that I run from Him. And what I need to do in specific areas of my life is to say, I need to do this and this and this every day so that I will pay attention to him. My instinct is to wander away from him. And there are a lot of things that we can put on this rule of life, a thousand different tools that we can put in your tool belt. But what we're saying together is that we want to be a certain kind of people together in this Lenten season. So, We're going to talk for the next six weeks. We're we're going to talk about starting your day in quiet prayer and scripture. We're going to talk about being grateful people, moving your body and involving your body in the worship of God, fasting, because we'll be in the season of Lent, community, this thing that we say that we value and through whom God often works, and then opening your day up before the Lord at the end of the day and asking him to reveal what he was doing that day. And what we're inviting you to do in this Lenten season is together to make space in our lives to remain with Jesus and to allow him to speak with us and to bring out fruit in us. There is no trade on offer here that if you would obey God better, he would love you more. The trade that is on offer is that you would trade away a thousand and one meaningless things that distract you from the feast that he set before you. You are being, you and I are being conditioned and trained and discipled into a life of frittering away every second that we could have with God. Social media, the media outside of social media, depends on your attention span being about two seconds. 
Your brain is being actively conditioned to do the opposite of the thing that Jesus is inviting you to do. We are living in a time where we are being told there is no hope anywhere. That if people don't look just like this or do just like that or believe how I do or vote like I do, then we have to run away from one another. And if you want to be approved and loved, you have to look like this or do like this or vote like this. We have all of these forces pushing in on us all the time, crowding out the quiet voice of Jesus saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Just stay with me. Here's what God is going to do when we do this. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not going to. I bet you wanted me to tell you if I do this, then he'll do this. I don't know. I am not the vine dresser. Okay. That is not me. That is not the role I occupy in this metaphor. I don't know what God is going to do. I don't know if it'll feel like this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in my spiritual life. It may feel like this is totally boring and meaningless to me. I don't know. I'm not the vine dresser. But what I do know is Jesus' voice saying again and again, stay with me, remain with me, stay in my love. And the Holy Spirit ministers to his people in quiet and unexpected ways. And I am excited to see how God in this season of endurance might meet us in the sifting of our souls, in the trimming of our lives into a life of greater fruitfulness. My invitation to us as a church is to come and stay with Jesus. And in our pursuit of him, what we are pursuing is just sitting for a while right next to him. Let me pray for us. God, we're so grateful that the gospel is good news. That good news is not just that you've handed us a road map and now we have the, the, the directions to come find you and to, to come sit with you but the gospel's better than that that you've done everything that is necessary to come sit with us to come be with us that you've set your love on cowards and wanderers you chose us before we could even consider choosing you. Father, I pray that in the life of our church together, we would hear of the glories of your grace. That you are so delightful and winsome and loving. And what you want to offer to us is yourself. And you're, you're, not, you're not threatening people into a life of fruitfulness. You are inviting people into a life of fruitfulness. You're not pushing and prodding people towards a life of joy. But you are instead giving us your own joy secured for us in Christ. God, I pray that our, our eyes would be open to you. Our hands would be open. That in these darker and colder days we would more easily lean in 
and hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Help us to hear your invitation to remain with you, to stay with you just a little while longer. God, would you do that in us as individuals and as a people? that we would love you and love one another with intention and purpose and a life of vitality that flows from the Godhead himself. We look to you and trust, Lord Jesus, the great vine. Trust you, Jesus. Amen. singing another new song it's 2021 new songs we